most of my payouts, I would say, are, you know, one to 2% uh, of the account balance, you know? So 1K, 2K, just a lot of them, right? So if I'm doing 1K or 2K across 10 different firms, right? It adds up very quickly. Very quickly. Yep. And game, I would say gambling is very much like trading. Oh my and God. People yeah. don't want to admit it, but my wife is like cringing over there, but <laughs> no, it's very much like trading. Like there's odds in play, you know, there's probabilities. a house, there's probabilities, right? It's just with the markets, there's no table. People just don't want to take a break because they think if they keep going, they'll make more money. Yeah. And if you took a break and stepped back, took a breath, looked at everything, looked at how far you've come, what I think a lot of traders don't do enough is enjoy the journey. I mean, for me at least, when I became a full-time trader, it's like, all right, well, this is very isolating, it's very lonely, and you're not adding, and Umar Ashraf says it all the time, you're not adding anything to society, and Nothing. you're really not. You're just taking profits from somebody else, that's like it. whether that's an institution, whether it's another retail trader, it's just moving money from their hands to yours. What's the fastest way to pass a funding challenge? Real quick, I want to thank today's sponsor, Top One Trader. You guys have probably heard me talk about them before, but as all this drama unfolds, I want to make sure that you guys understand why I've chosen to allow them to be the sponsor of the podcast. The main reason is I know the guys that are running the company and they tell me what's going on behind the scenes. I get a little inside information that I can pass to you guys. So not only do you get a huge discount if you use the link and the code down below or flying in above my head, but you can also take my word for it when I say these guys are trying to adapt and stay ahead of all of this drama that, like I said, we're all operating in right now. So you can save some money with my discount code, save some money with the link down below, but also kind of rest assured that you're working with a company that is trying to do right by the trader. They're staying ahead of the curve, they're being overly transparent, and they're doing the best that they can to make sure you and me have favorable trading conditions, favorable trading platforms, and put ourselves in a position to succeed. Because I've always felt, and that's why I've shared it with you guys, this company wants to work with serious traders. So if you consider yourself a serious trader or a soon-to-be serious trader, Use the link, use the discount code, check out top one, and let's get back to the video. Traders, welcome back. I am sitting down in studio. This is like our, I feel like our second time doing one of these because we had that meeting over ramen, which mm -hmm. is almost better than sitting down in a podcast studio, but we're gonna settle for the podcast studio today. I've got Kyle, Mr. Jade Cap in the building. How's it going, Austin? It's good to see you, bro. Yeah, you too, man. I'm glad you're a Florida boy, yeah. officially. <laughs> yeah, man. When we met the first time up in New York with Riz, you were still, I think, yeah. kind of like making it happen on the fence about it, but now you're officially, a, I can say it, a Florida boy. Yeah, man. I mean, that was like one thing I had to think about was the environment that I was in. Like, people in New York, I don't, if you've spent a whole lot of time in New York, very, people are very cold and everything, and when the winter seasons, there's silent depression. Like, everybody, nobody talks about it really, but so true. it's terrible. Like, I'm inside all day. Freezing cold, don't want to go to the gym, don't really want to do anything. Yeah. And yeah, it affects my performance. So, you know, I had to kind of drag the wife down here and said, you know, pick up, let's pick up everything and move uh, because your, your environment is so important it when is. you're trying to perform. It is. And I think when you're in a place that five months, four months of the year, it's gray. Yeah. It's super hard to be motivated all the time, mm. especially as like a man that, like, I'm sure, did you play sports when you were younger? Yeah. So, like, you play sports, you're outside, you're doing your thing, and then it's, like as you get older, you're not doing that as much. So you're locked inside working and it's gray outside. So you can't even enjoy it. It sucks. Yeah, but man. then you come down here, bro. You could lose 50K. You could lose 500 bucks. <laughs> you could lose whatever. But at least it's still sunny and yeah, 85 yeah. degrees. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good to have you here, bro. I'm glad. Thanks, uh, I'm yeah, glad thanks we're for traveling down. over. Oh, dude, of course. So uh, for those of you that don't know, Kyle and I have been uh, connected since I did the podcast, I think with Riz. Yep. Since then, you've 
made some serious waves, bro. So we've got a lot to catch up on. Yeah. Over a million dollars in payouts. We'll talk about the costs of that in today's episode. We'll talk about the tax man a little bit if you want to get into that. Mm -hmm. But the first thing I want to talk about is your health and wellness change. You just mentioned it a minute ago about the sauna, the CrossFit. I saw you tweeted this a few days ago. You were saying like three times a week, I'm in the CrossFit gym, I'm doing the yeah. sauna, I'm doing the cold plunge. Put aside the move to Florida. How much has taking your health and wellness seriously outside of your trading helped improve your trading, do you think? Yeah, so I actually, we were talking about this at launch yesterday and uh, I think the re big reason why I left my job previously was because I was working like 60, 70 hours a week and I kind of just noticed like my health deteriorating over time, like yeah. my mental health, my physical health. You just don't have time to work out, right? right. When you're working from 6 a.m., well, essentially 6 a.m., these are, you know, hour commute to the office, get there at 7, leave by like 7 or 8 at night. It's like when, by the time you get home, all you have time to do is eat, go to sleep, and then wake up and do the, do the same thing all over again. Right. So, you know, wanting to take that transition to go to full-time trading, um, I kind of had to like work backwards and try and, you know, uh, I guess kickstart myself again and get my health in order because, you know, when you, when you have barely any time to like take care of your health, right? It's, it's so, it's so easy to get out of shape extremely quickly. Like, so fast, and it's bro. so hard to get back into shape and stay in shape. Yeah. Right. And that's like, it's like escalator, uh, uh you know, staircase up, escalator down essentially. Yeah. So um, it's a commitment. That's really what yeah. it is. And like, you've, I think probably found motivation in the fitness commitment maybe to then like, okay, if I commit to this, I see the results in this, it takes some time, just like trading. I think if we talk about your payouts, over a million dollars in payouts, that's gonna be something we have to keep circling back to because mm -hmm. it's incredible. Some of your payouts were like $600. I saw a couple of the payout yeah. certificates were like two grand, yeah. 1,500 bucks. No one's thinking, here's my $1,500 payout, I'm on my way to a million. Not, let me say not no one, most people aren't thinking yeah. that except the people that are committed. So I brought that fitness thing up in the beginning because I think commitment is a very strong uh, internal characteristic that successful traders have to have. Tim Sykes was just here saying the same thing. The difference maker is in work ethic. Work ethic really comes from commitment. How much are you willing to work for it and sacrifice certain things? So as you've put the fitness stuff as a priority, has anything had to sacrifice? Have you had to take maybe less workshops or less um, webinars with the trading stuff to say, I need to go give this hour a day to the gym? Do you find yourself having to make sacrifices like yeah, that? Yeah, I think so. But I think it's a vital part of being a high performer. Sure. Because, you know, if I miss the gym for a couple of days on end, it's like, I feel terrible about myself. Right. It's harder for me to get work done. It's harder for me to stay focused on the charts. It sucks. It's terrible, man. And, um... Yeah, and it's it's definitely a slow growth thing. It's it's the same thing with trading. Everybody thinks they can have that overnight success and be, you know, six-pack abs the next day, and it's not like that, right? Yeah. Like, it's incremental steps. Eventually, you're going to get to where you want to be, right, yeah. fitness-wise and trading-wise. Yeah. And that's the same approach that I took with my trading. So, essentially, all my – most of my payouts, I would say, are, you know, 1% to 2% uh, of the account balance, you know? So, 1K, 2K, just a lot of them. Right, so if I'm doing 1K or 2K across 10 different firms, right, it adds up very quickly. Very quickly. Yep. Right, so if it, the way that I thought about it was, all right, well, how much capital do I need to have to essentially risk 10K on a trade? You don't have to have that much. It's no. like three to five million dollars. That's it. Risking a quarter percent, it's like 10K. Yep. It's a huge amount of money. So 2R, you can have 20K days, 30K days, 40K days, and barely lift a finger. Yep. Right. So. I do have some payouts that are a little bit more outsized, but those are on like A-plus setups sure. that only come around once every two months, three months, right? Uh, and then you're trying to just size into those positions. 
But yeah, it's just it's the same thing. It's you know those small baby steps, those base hits that you're getting. Yeah. Eventually, like that's what compound bring you to the goal. It's, the it goal. grows exponentially. Yeah. Do you find that it was harder when you were passing all of these challenges to because there's pressure when you're in a funding challenge. Mm-hmm. We we used to have a time frame. Now we don't have the time frame. So do do you feel like it's harder in the challenge or harder once you're funded? I think it's harder in the challenge, but also. Um, people just get ahead of themselves when they get funded. Explain. Like, everybody is, at least from what I can tell, um, the stats that are being shared, everybody's still treating that challenge as if there is a time limit, right? Mm. They're putting their, themselves in that uh, mental framework where I have to pass this to start making money. Right. And that's where most people are failing, right? Because they're as rushing. Soon as they're rushing it. They're rushing them hitting that uh, profit target. Yeah. Right? And then they're also, as soon as they get funded, they're rushing the payout. They want to make money very quickly right. instead of trying to survive the payouts will come if you have the funded account if you go down and draw down right away there's nothing wrong with just taking it slow yeah. right but everybody's trying to crawl out of drawdown very quickly and and hit those payouts i i heard uh mike bellafiore talking about this in an interview recently he was saying it's really good for traders at their firm to have the salaries and the other things that they pay people because losses are a part of the business, yeah. drawdowns are inevitable, and you've got to learn to get comfortable in drawdown. And I think you even have tweeted that before. Like, if you can't get comfortable in a drawdown and dig yourself out, you're not a trader. You're yeah. just a guy gambling with funding challenges. Yeah, so I mean, real prop firms and real funds, they do offer those salaries. I actually trialed with one that's overseas, and yes, they offer a, you know, maybe it's not a crazy salary, but it removes a lot of the pressure from having to perform. 100%. As long as you're getting that salary, you can support yourself and pay for all your expenses it removes a lot of the pressure from having to perform. And I think that's where most people are failing is they, they're treating these challenges as like their last ticket resort out yeah. of it's a great whatever it. it is. It's you a know? great way to put it. Yeah. And what happens, I mean, I can't think of a single thing in life that if you rush it, it actually gets done better and faster. Yeah. Even cooking, if you cook your food too fast, it comes out a little bit worse than it would if you would have cooked it on medium mm-hmm. heat. You know what I mean? So most good things take time. Yeah. Yet when people get into trading, they don't want to lose and they don't want to take their time. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, is because the access to markets is so, um, there's no barrier. No barrier. Right? So that's what makes the business so difficult. Yeah. Like having no barrier makes that business extremely difficult because there's so much competition. And Not only that, it lets your stupid emotions, they could just express themselves. Mm-hmm. There's nothing stopping you. There's no one standing over you saying, hey, Kyle, stop over trading today. Get off the desk. No, you could just keep trading until you exactly. lose them all. There's a huge amount of self-accountability that comes into it. Same thing with the gym, right? And That's what I was going to say. It ties in with commitment. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why I think it's important for traders out there, if they're really lacking like a support system, a, a trading buddy or something, to make sure they're on top of it. It's very difficult for somebody to remain self-disciplined and, and actually pull themselves away from the markets like when they're really in a bad draw. 100%. It's very I even have a hard time as well. Like All I'm not, of us you do. Know, yeah. I think you have to accept that you do, and then it gets easier because you're aware of your own self, mm-hmm. char- the characteristics of yourself. Do you find that the trading partner has to be somebody like your wife, or does it have to be somebody that is actively trading? Uh, it could be both. You know, okay. She keeps me accountable for a bunch of other things. I like that answer. Know? I think it's... It could be it could be anybody, right? As long as they understand, like, if you tell them, "All right, I only want to take X amount of trades," and you tell them, like, "Hey, I took this many trades today," like, that's a slap on the wrist. It's really, I mean, at the end of the day, even if you do have a trading, if if it's your wife, it's a slap on the ass. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The thing is, even if you do have a trading buddy, um, they're still not going to be able to hold you 100% accountable. It's true. Because I hired a, a performance coach, right? My good friend Rodrigo. Yeah. You know, he basically told me things that I already knew, right? And it's like, 
all right, even though I'm paying him as a coach, he's still not next to me clicking the buttons. Right. Right. So even if he's like, you know, stop trading for the day, I could still possibly go back in and, and click that button again. You're pushing buttons on me right now because I have yeah. a guy in the mentorship program right now who does really well with his construction job. He's going to probably listen to this and know I'm talking about him again, mm -hmm. but he's, I'm so bullish on him as a trader, but he can't control himself. And yeah. when he stops talking in the group chat or he doesn't show up in the live, you know, I, there's, yeah, you know, there's something going on. I'm in his on, DM. Right? Something's going on. Where are you, bro? Yeah. I know you're not at a job. I know what you do. Like, yeah. what are you doing? And like you just said, you can't stop those people. So now that we've set all of that in place, this is a good question. What's the fastest way to pass a funding challenge? I mean, obviously, the fastest way is going to be taking the high risk. But if you, you know, I, I talk about this a lot, is if, if you don't have the, the actual capital to continue taking challenges, you have to take it as slow as you can, right? But the fastest way is obviously to risk the 4%, 5% daily drawdown and try and pass it. But that's where most people are failing, right? And do, I mean, because you work with SFT, and we're going to talk about that in a mm -hmm. second. Does SFT want the guy that passed his challenge by punting it and bought five and failed? Nah, I don't like, think so. And that's the big reason why I'm with SFT is because they're actually the, the one firm or one of the firms that are actually providing value to the community. Like they're actually telling them like this is the pass rate of a lot of traders and they're actually giving advice on how to pass. Yeah. Right? We just hosted a webinar last weekend on, you know, how to build an empire in the funded space. Right. So you're starting out with a small account. You want to try and get the refund get a small payout. It doesn't matter if it's $10, $15, $20. You're getting a refund at least, right? Mm -hmm. Now you're in it risk-free. At that point, we don't care if you're risking, you know, punting one, two, three percent. At least you've gotten your fee back and you could take that higher risk. But, you know, a lot of people are not going to be able to, to manage the emotions around higher risk. No. Right? They'll, they'll they will tilt very yeah. quickly, very easily. Just the, the fluctuation in the P&L is going to set them off and they're going to mismanage that trade. Yep. I find... Traders tend to see more consistent payouts when they have a sweet spot. Oh, if I make $1,000 a day, I'm good. And if I just do that for the month, I'll get my payout. Do you agree with that or do you find that it's a little bit different? Um, I guess for me, it's a little bit different because I was used to seeing big numbers for my job. Right. So, I don't know. I'm like so desensitized to money at this point. But I, I would say, yeah, I think like if I had to go back and let's say if I didn't work in that job with working with high numbers, yeah, you have to kind of work around your comfortability level. Yeah. Like if you're not comfortable seeing uh, a $1,000 P&L swing on your screen, how are you going to expect to make $1,000 consistently? Or then how time? are you going to think you're going to yeah. take a 10K swing? Yeah, and we talk about that as well as like when you're working out, you can't get in the gym and start back squatting 350 or straight off the bat if you've never back squatted before. It's a, you have to build a muscle. It's a, it's a mental muscle for sure. You want to hear something embarrassing? Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> it's January 28th. I was out of the gym from November 20th until this past week. Oh, yeah? So when I'm back from in the, the kid? Not, not <laughs> actually from the kid. December, I was in London for my seminar. I got sick. Then I was traveling in Jersey, see family. Got sick when I got back from that. And then January, I took my mom to see houses in Tennessee and a oh, bunch okay. of shit. So I was just traveling. Yeah. And then got busy when I got back and just didn't get How back into it. How much weight did you lose on your back squat? <laughs> bro, I, don't, I didn't even try to back squat yeah. yet. But I lost weight in general, lost mm -hmm. a bunch of muscle mass. But the soreness, bro. Yeah, my biceps yeah. are still sore. So like you just said, you can't expect to then come back in and load mm -hmm. the same way like with trading. You can't expect to jump from zero to 10K swings in a day, right? And there's like specializations, right? Like Sure. I took some time off from weightlifting, uh, CrossFit, to, to do a half marathon, right? And I did it on like 30 days notice. So obviously I was overtraining running and not training weightlifting anymore. By the time I got back after the half marathon back squatted, I lost like 100 pounds on my back squat. Yeah. So it's like 
Not surprising. Yeah, with trading, it's, it's the same thing. There's all these facets of trading that you have to focus on. If, you, if you're lacking in one area, it's going to have a huge impact on all the other areas. It's like you can't just be a one-trick pony. Yeah. Like you have to have everything. It's very true. Got to be well-rounded. Mm-hmm. What do you think of uh, – I know you did an interview with ICT, and you've talked about him many times in a lot of your videos because he's part of your success for yeah. sure. Do you ever want to meet him in person? Do you ever think that will happen? Uh, maybe it will. I don't know. I would, love, I would love to meet him. I mean, he seems like a super down-to-earth guy. And, yeah, he's attributed to a lot of people's success, I think, in the space in general. Um, I, I don't know how long you've been in the space, but just the trading space in general, the online trading space, I think is he's really had a major impact uh, to, to a lot of Especially in the last traders. two years. Yeah, especially in the last two years. I think ever since COVID, because I think pre-COVID. I never heard of him before His COVID. YouTube channel had, like, 50,000 subs. Right. Now he's got, like, a million. It's crazy. It's insane Over to see the growth. Yeah. Today. yeah. Why do you think he is so successful? Is it just because of the concepts? Are there that many people being profitable with it? Or do you think it's the story and the hype around it that makes people attracted to it? Real quick, a pause from the video to just talk to you about today's sponsor, The Black Shirt Club. The Black Shirt Club is our 12-week intense trading mentorship program that's going to help you scale your trading business. If you want to be around funded full-time traders that are going to help you level your trading business up to a level that you kind of hoped for but didn't know how you were going to get to, let's see if The Black Shirt Club is a good fit for you. So click the link below, book a call with me. It'll take us 10 minutes. Let's hop on and see if you're a good fit. Of course, this isn't a program that is built for everybody. You've got to have the time, the passion, the discipline, and we'll work on some of the other characteristics that lead into profitable trading together. Over the last year, I've had 150 plus different traders get funded, stay funded, get paid out, and are still trading those funded accounts over a year later. So if you want to be a part of our next group of successful traders, click the link below, book a call with me, and now let's get back to the video. Um... I don't. I don't feel like it's the story that's driving it. No. I think it's um, people that actually see some. Even if they are following him and they they're still not profitable, they do see that some of his concepts work. Because at the end of the day, there's still plenty of ICT traders that are not profitable. Plenty. Right? It's just because you know what a fair value gap is doesn't mean that you can trade it and, sure. and execute that setup to a T. For right? sure. That's where the lack of experience. You know, there's a gap. Yeah. So, I mean. I think his uh, his following is a little bit of both. It's the polarity behind him, like him saying he's going to leave or do the Robins Cup, and he's not doing the. Ro- I mean, I think it's extremely. They can see my stop losses. It's very entertaining, and it is super he's entertaining. He's like a great marketer, uh, and I think in my in my opinion, he has the full body of work yeah. uh, for everything that you would need trading. So, between psychology, technicals, uh, fundamentals, everything. So now, right. how do you feel about the people like our friend Casper? who are kind of taking his information, spinning it, and then selling their own education. How does he feel about that? I think, that? Um, I mean, how does how does Casper feel ICT. about it? No, how does ICT feel I'm about it? I'm not sure. It? I mean, I think he's mentioned it a couple times. Is actually, if you're paying for access to somebody that is going to trade in front of you live, like, he has nothing wrong with that. Right. It's, it's a different story when you're trying to repackage the stuff, sell it. In a video. And then not provide the mentorship. Sure. Right, so the mentorship... But everything out there right now is free. You can learn trading for free. You don't have to pay for a coach. You don't have to pay for Austin. You don't have to pay for me. Uh, the difference is you have access to somebody that has experience. 100%. Right? How much money would you pay Tiger Woods to give access to, to learn how to play, swing a your lot. golf club? Right? A lot of money. Yeah. It's not just how to swing a golf club. Because he, he's, Tiger Woods has done videos is like how I'm swinging the golf club. But to get one-on-one access to, to that person, people are that's, really, grand, that's what grand. people are really paying for. Right? Yeah. It's... It's not so much, and even me, like I paid access for ICT's mentorship. I would have paid more money if I could ask him questions directly. Of course, right? 
course. So people are paying for people, yeah. not so much a product. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think... Because everything in business and life in general, like all the coaching services out there, there's nothing like that's uh, reinventing the wheel, essentially. There's, Definitely There's not. no unicorn uh, concept anymore, I don't think. I you agree. Know, there's so much knowledge out there and information. Do you see some of the new guys that trade the ICT stuff, do you see them thinking it should win 100% of the time, and when it yeah. doesn't win, it's broken, and it's not them, yeah. of course. It's ICT. It's the strategy. Yeah. It's not me. I'm perfect. I think that drives me a little bit crazy. Like, the, the people that say, um, I mean, yes, I think the markets are manipulated and engineered in a certain way, but I don't believe the people that think they can hit 100% strike rate on all their trades. Like, that's, it's, to me, is unrealistic. It's un yeah. It's kind of crazy to think like that. And, like, you don't need that. You no. don't need 80 90%, you know? Yeah. And I think, um, have you heard of... Uh, Richard Dennis? Of course. Yeah. The Turtles. The Turtles. Yeah, exactly. His strike rate was like 10%. Dude. Right. It's crazy. 10%. And yep. he made millions. And he made other millionaires doing yep. the same strategy. You know, 10% yep. strike rate. It's just, you know, how do you, how do you express that edge in the market? What's your strike rate? Uh, like 50%, 60%. That's what I thought. So, like, you know, it's not 50 or 60% every single month. No. But some months it's 80%. Sure. Some months some it's 30%. 30%. Exactly. Right. Average so out over out. time. 50, 60%. So, and I think that's reasonable for most people. I think so too. That's the sweet spot yeah. usually. Do you find that people are overly focused nowadays on their trading stats when they should be more focused on just making money and getting paid out? Because this is a big topic, right? Do you coach someone when they're learning how to trade? Do you educate them in the sense of trade well, you want to have a good profit factor, a good sharp ratio, good win rate, proper risk reward, or do you just want to end the day green? Yeah, and, you know, a lot of people have this thought in their mind that they have to hit one to threes, one to fours, one to fives. It's like, if you can't hit a one to one consistently, why are you even doing a one to two, right? So I think that's the biggest thing is just hit base hits consistently. Yeah. Like, you have to be able to do that consistently over, for me, before I left my job, I was like, I need to do this at least consistently for like three, four months straight. Yeah. Without having any big hiccups. Yep. Like, that is a huge hurdle. And yep. ICT even mentioned, he's like, before you try and go full time, have three months of consistent trading where you're profitable and don't have any big swings in your P&L. No big tilt. Now things. you're like kind of on track to becoming a full-time profitable trader. I agree right? with that. I think that's a little bit small of a time frame. I've seen guys go three months and then month four they tilt. Yeah, exactly. Tilt is, it, it creeps in on all of us. We're all humans. Yeah, you know? and historically there's so many stories of people that hit it big in the markets and then two, three, four years down the line Gone. lose everything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think what, our, what I'm trying to figure out right now, like when I'm coaching guys, is like, do you teach someone to trade for the proper trade Zella stats or do you teach someone to trade for payouts? What's your perspective on that? Uh, man, it's hard. I think a little bit of both. It, it, it I is, think right? It's, it's like you got to find a balance. Yeah. I, in my head, you know what I'm picturing? You have the guy on the tightrope with that long metal rope and he's like walking the tightrope, right? Mm -hmm. Balancing between, I want to have good stats, but I also want to just get paid out. Yeah. For example, like I had a trade last week. I'm, I shoot for one-to-one. -one. I think you've probably mm -hmm. seen my content. We talked, yep. right? Just one R. It's all I'm doing. I want a 60, 70% win rate. Yeah. That's what I'm aiming for. I had a trade that went 0.8 R, retapping a high of day zone for the third time. Am I going to go for the extra two points for the one R or just yeah. take the eight and call yeah. it a day? Especially gonna, when it's like 1130 in the afternoon, yes, right? <laughs> right. I'm going to take the 0.8 yeah. and take the profit. But this is the point of that trade. That trade 
doesn't go the one R, it actually ends up going to loss after the point eight R. Mm -hmm. So if my discretion didn't say take the profit at the point eight, that's a loss yeah. in the back testing. Yeah. So am I trading for proper stats? No, I'm trading to just read the market, feel the discretion and get green. I think that's, um, you know, that's something that we discuss as well as like mechanical versus discretionary. Yes. And it's to me, again, it's the fun, it's the balance balance. It's really hard to, to say, I'm only going to trade a mechanical strategy. Well, what happens if the market condition changes and you're kind of stuck in a range, right? For me, like a lot of my money is made because of discretion and I've saved my, you know, saved my rear end a ton through discretion, right? Like, can you explain that? Price action just kind of stalls out in an area. I'm aiming for like a one to three, one to four. I'm at like a one to 2.5. I cut the trade and then Take that win. 10 minutes later, it dumps on me and I would have been stopped out. And yep. that's like, it's a gut feeling that I can't transfer. It doesn't matter how much mentorship. Welcome I to my can, life. Bro. Yeah, exactly. It's so you get, cause they have guys that are paying for this. And I'm like sitting in the call with them and they're, they're like, why did you cut the trade? There? And I'm like, <laughs> we're like, literally we'll do bar by bar the replay. And I'm like, this is what I would do. This is what I would do. And I'd get out there and then it ends up being, and they're like, why would you do that? I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I just, you, you it, but you know what I've been thinking too? A lot of the time, and I don't, I'm, I don't think you're a big back tester, correct? No, not really. Right. In, a lot of the guys that I work with, they want to do back testing. Back testing is so robotic. Yeah. It doesn't take into account news. Yeah. The market yeah. open, the New York open. Like, the market sentiment. Like it's the, very hard to go back in a, in, in a time period and back test what the sentiment of the market was at that time. Unless right. you know it's like a deflationary, inflationary market. Right. Whatever is going on, you know, there are global events going on, there's wars going on. And it's still hard to tell. Yeah, you have, you have to be able to like understand like, all right, I'm going to back test 2020. I know that all this stuff is going on. I know COVID's going on. But will that's that ever lot. replicate? Yeah, exactly. Will you ever be able to, re that's, that's why I never really back tested too much. It's like, a good it's, point. It's great to practice your entries, exits, and trade management, but it's not a great tool to uh to forecast going forward like there's no way that you can take your back testing results and expect that you know past results is not indicative of future performance dude i had right? a guy do a back test <laughs> he's gonna laugh if he's listening he had like 30 or 40 trades in the back test over the last two months and he was like at an 80 percent win rate and then he had a week of losses and i'm like yeah bro you had an expectation you were gonna win 80 percent of your trades i mean that's unrealistic in any mm -hmm. back test yeah. you show me an 80 percent back test that's a real back test at one to one at 80 percent. people will pay you for that strategy yeah, you yeah. know that's really tough so yes, the backtesting can create some unrealistic thoughts or expectations too. So like, what do you recommend for your students? Do you tell them, hey, trade mechanically only? Or do you try and get them to, for the new guys, to build like a discretionary edge? For the new guys, you definitely start mechanical. Yeah. Like if you looked at like the Black Shirt Club, which is our coaching mm -hmm. program, they'll come in, I'll teach them to trade the A1 or the A2. Those are specific patterns of entry, specific price thing. Get in on that A1, get in on the A2. Well, they're taking A1s or A2s that I'm not taking. That's the discretion. Yeah. Now we, okay, now you understand how to put the stop loss in. Now you understand how to draw the entry and where we would take the trade. Okay, good. You got the foundation. Discretion then comes on top of that, yeah. which was what I was going to ask you. How do you feel like you've learned discretion? Because that's not really taught. just screen time and experience. That's it, right? Experience. Yeah, that's what I felt. Yeah. Like. yeah. It's like how many, how many FOMC weeks have you really traded, right? Like hundreds. <laughs> hundreds. Hundreds. Bro. So right. you understand the first half of the week is usually dead. Yep. You know, and then everybody's, I mean, you have to think like a whale. Like, you have they're to not think like positioning the big guys. before they know what the Fed is going to do for no. the year or right. for that next quarter. Right. right. So it's it's a lot of experience and screen time that you can't shortcut. There's no way you can shortcut that. What are you trading the most right now? Uh, I would say the euro. Yeah, mostly the euro. Was that the, e pound, the pound's kind of been dead. It's like, that's what I was going to ask. Right. Do you think that's what most of your payouts were, or has that changed? I would say, yeah, most of my payouts were from the euro. Interesting. Do you find I think it was a lot of um, you know there's a global macro theme around yeah. like the Ukraine war so yeah, I was like shorting it obviously for most of the year and then obviously when the Fed kind of came off the gas pedal like dollar started rallying you know it, 
essentially you're just playing that global macro theme. Why are you not trading U.S. indices? Why are you trading Forex still? Uh, to be honest, I'm like trying to get my feet wet with it. Yeah. You know, um, maybe it's be, it's partly because like the trade copier that I have set up. So and we end up, it, I just use that as the master account and right. they don't offer an index, no. you know, option. So not CFDs, yeah. not nothing. Yeah. No. With the news going around now about FTMO not accepting U.S. clients and everything like that, has that shifted your focus at all from like thinking maybe CFDs will be banned and I should be looking at futures? Because I know you mentioned that you're playing around. Yeah, with obviously, futures. like as a trader, you have to just adapt to anything going on. So, you know, you can't just tunnel vision on prop firms and, and expect that they're going to be around here forever because yeah. they might not be. Yeah. I'm hoping that they are, right? Because it provides such a great opportunity for so many traders that have the skill set that don't have the capital, right? Especially if you live in like a country like, I think of all of us, like my guys in the Dominican, they need to make 500 bucks a week and they're doing yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. You know what right. I mean? So like these prop makes firms- Makes a huge difference. Huge difference for them, yeah, yeah. But you know, hopefully those guys don't compare what some of the guys in the US are making, right? Because you see some of the guys in the US and like other Western countries like Germany and stuff pulling huge payouts. Like Burned is pulling like massive payouts. You know, Pasquale was doing like six figures per payout, yep. two, 250K payouts. Yep. It's like if you live in a, in a country that, you know, 5K account is going to take you a, lo a long way, like that's what you should focus on. 100%. You know, it's just the percentage gain that you're trying to. Do you guys find that a lot of SFT traders are from other countries, not the U.S.? Uh, to be honest, I don't really know the data behind okay. it, but they said like 20 to 25% of their, uh, you know, of that's their. Good. Base isn't based in the U.S. That's right. That's literally my Instagram analytics tell me about 25% yeah. of my followers. But supposedly the U.S. traders are doing the best out of like any country. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. What made you go with SFT? Uh, it's, it's really the team that they have. I mean, Riz, Paladin, Omar, those guys are just so down to earth. Like they're if you guys. guys, if you ever run into them, they're like the most chill guys ever. And they all trade and they all understand what that journey was like. So there's a lot of prop owners that haven't traded before. Like, I mean, Tristan's definitely one of them, one of the guys that I, I definitely respect as well in the space. Yeah. But there's a lot of guys that are running the prop firms that they don't trade anymore. You know, they're not really providing value to the community. No. They kind of just throw out the parameters at, and that's it, you know. Yep. You guys can learn from somebody else. Like, if essentially we're at SFT, we're teaching traders to possibly trade and make money at those other firms. Yeah, right. in theory. And at even at their own firm. Like, right. they're giving advice to, to their own community. Like, take our money. Like take our challenge and get a payout, you know? Why did they decide to make the language different on the website? Was it just a precaution to move to the virtual? Honestly, I have no idea. Okay. Like everybody moved to, to a virtual, lot of them right? Yeah, it's for sure. A lot yeah. Of them. And it's interesting though, because how would you not know it's not virtual? You need, like most people I feel like should have known it was just virtual funds. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that people are like, oh, it's like game breaking. Like, right. oh, it's a virtual account. Did you not... Did you not know it was a virtual account? Like everybody should have known it was a virtual account, but you, that's because people don't read through. That's what I was going to say. They're not any of the website. Like, not at all. And right. they just buy. People were complaining about some of the you know one step accounts and stuff. And it's like you didn't even read the. You didn't parameters. even read the drawdown. Yeah, exactly. So why are you complaining? You didn't. They, they withdraw it. They get reset at the balance, and then the next trade all automatically breaches their account. And now all of a sudden they're on Twitter complaining about it. It's right. like you didn't even read like the terms and conditions that you're trading under. How can you expect? that you're gonna be able to keep the account when you can't even 100%. follow the rules. 100%. I like that you, like, 
you and the guys at SFT never are beefing with people. Yeah. As a business owner, you should not we, be we beef beefing with some people, but because that's because there's people. Omar does. Yeah. Omar's from New York, bro. Like yeah. he's he's a New York City guy. He's gonna be. But the thing you. is, like, there's a lot of people in the prop Twitter space that are talking on things that they it's they not have like no they, idea. They have no idea. They don't work for the company. No. They're just hearing things. They think things. they know. Yeah, they think they know. Just like right. when my forex funds went down and everybody was tweeting about why. It's all speculation. You're it's all, all speculation. just speculating. You on gotta it. just mute the term. Yeah. Omar tweets out all day. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna mute. Whatever, because now you just have a bunch of people. Yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous, man. It's like they're trying to throw shade and, and negative light towards these different aspects. And it's like you don't even really understand the full story. And how could you? Because you don't work for the company. Of course. Right? Yeah. Crazy times, bro. I think the, um, the prop firm space is going to grow and evolve. I have a bet with whoever that I don't think they're going to be shut down. Yeah. I just don't think that the SEC or FINRA, whoever it would be, the CFTC, I don't think they're going to come and clamp down on an industry. I don't think you can reference back to that. And even Jordan Belfort and Penny Stock and all that, that still exists. You yeah. can still short Penny Stocks. <laughs> like, all of it still exists. Yeah. Do they ban certain people? Of course. Will bad actors get weeded out? You'd hope so. But I think... Um, I think they just need to adapt the product to the, that's exactly to the, to the industry, right? That's so, exactly like, it. if you're offering CFDs and equities when you probably shouldn't be, all right, just offer Forex then. It's it. not going to like... Or offer futures. Yeah, or offer, offer futures. Well, I think there's I, a big potential for futures and crypto. Yeah. Why are there no funding companies blowing up for crypto? I mean, there's Breakout. So shout out to my friend Trader Man. Breakout I don't know what that prop. is. Breakout Prop, they actually, they get all their data from Binance. So oh, okay. essentially it's like a, an A-tier, um, you know, brokerage fee that they're getting. Interesting. And they have like really tight spread. That's awesome. I mean, that's yeah. what you need. And you probably trade it over the weekend and do the whole seven yeah, days exactly. a week. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I'm sure on the firm side of things, it's a whole different level of risk. It's a whole different level of risk, whole right? Because now you're, now you're talking about coins that are doing... 100% return yeah, in a day. exactly. Right. So on their end, I don't know what that looks like, but yeah. They got to have able yeah. traders. And I think with um, a Crypto Fund Trader, mm -hmm. they actually have like a payout uh, limit. Like you can't make more than... <laughs> 10% on Which, the account, right? I mean, and if you look at some of these casinos, yeah. right? Because if we've referenced this to a casino in a way where there's guys that go to the casino, they take a line of credit. The guys that play high roller tables that play blackjack, that get a line of credit for like, let's just say a hundred grand. Yeah. They won't allow that guy to walk out with 500 grand that night. Yeah. They'll stop him at 150 from what I've heard or okay. 200 or 300,000 and just be like, you can't make any more. Yeah. yeah it's they, interesting. Like, and game, I would say gambling is very much like trading. Oh and my God. People yeah. don't want to admit it, but... My wife is like cringing over there, but <laughs> no, it's very much like trading. Like there's odds in play, you know, there's a house, there's probabilities, right? It's just with the markets, there's no table limits, right? And that's kind of where you have to it's be, play that's where you have to be disciplined and say, I have to set my own table limits, yep. right? Yep. And that's the hard part. Yeah. Like I said, I'm it's extremely hard and I don't even follow my own rules sometimes. It's like, well, I usually risk a quarter percent. 80 to 90% of the time. And then it's just that one time where I'm like, all right, this looks good. I'm going to risk 1%, 2%. Right. Do you think that it's lack of discipline that is holding people back in that sense of like they can't stay disciplined to what they want to? Like if you told your wife, don't let me trade after 11 o'clock, but then she sees you trading at 1130, <laughs> is you're laughing because is that something? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's something that everybody I think struggles with. Yeah. Even people at the top of the game. And that's why like a lot of those real prop firms, they have like an in-house psychologist. They have the in-house performance coach. Dude, if I ran my own firm, I'd have an in-house like drill sergeant. And if you yeah. break your rules, he'd beat the shit out of you yeah. in a closet. Like, have you heard of like the... Tim Dante's, uh, like his stories of him working at a, no, on the floor? Totally. Dude, uh, he used to talk about like the risk department coming in and just cursing people out all what the time. The yeah, yeah, doing? exactly. And some guys that were just like smashing his monitors and he's like, He's like, he broke like three monitors and, he, and the guy's like, you got to chill out and like go home. And he's like, no, you keep bringing me monitors. I'm going to keep smashing them. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I, 
I definitely know that's a real story because that yeah. really happened. I worked when I was at T3. I went there a couple of times and like did some work that day. They used to have an entire floor of this big ass building in New York, bro, all for traders. And yeah. I went at a time where they were transitioning. Everyone was virtual and they didn't need the space. So it was empty. And it was weird because it'd be like, you'd look out at this big empty room and you'd, I could picture in my head all the desks, all the monitors and people yelling and cursing. I kind of wish yeah. that we had that, yeah, bro. Yeah. Like I wish we could go. Like Wolf of Wall Street yes, style trading, I, oh, right? I want that energy <laughs> a little bit. Like, well, then we'll just open up our own trading floor. We should do that. Uh, well, I heard you, that SFT might be opening one here in Miami. I mean, we're going to try. I don't know if it's going to be here it's in just Miami. It's so expensive. We've, we've been kicking around the idea. It's just the fact that, um, you know, trading is very lonely. Yeah. So me, Omar, Paladin, we all talk in a chat like all the time. Yeah, you could you know, be on Zoom, but it's not the same. It's not the same. And it's like, you know, it's that, that accountability factor. Like, when we were here trading in Miami for FX Summit, like, we all did pretty well. And yeah. we all kept each other in check. It's yeah. like, well, there's no news today. Like, why are we even trading or even looking at the Let's market? go do something. Yeah, let's go it's do something. It's way more fun. It's way hey, more fun. Oh, let's go to Top Golf. Oh, let's go yeah. get a boat for the day. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, you actually can, whereas if you're just by yourself. Exactly. Plus, if your wife and your kid are screaming in the other room, you're like, I'm not going in there. <laughs> I'm going to stay here and just take out my problems on my trading screen. What was, so, what was your experience like at, at T3? Because that was like one of the problems when I, you know, was job hunting yeah. back in college yeah, after yeah. I graduated. Bro, they had like it 700 was like one of the Yeah, it was like one of the firms that popped up on Indeed. I really enjoyed my. I would never say anything bad. I got to meet Scott Redler. I got to go to one of his events in Boca. This was right when I got started with them, and I was going to run their Forex room, and I did. It was called Silver FX. I did a live stream, bro, from 6 a.m. to 11 a.m. every day. That was really hard. Yeah, that's this a is, long time. Bro, there's a point <laughs> in my life where, and I've never said this on the podcast, but I was smoking so much dope, bro. <laughs> Stupid. Ask my wife, bro. She'd come over, and I would be ripping on these. On live stream? No, no. I mean, you couldn't see me, but I'd go on mute. I would smoke a joint just to try to, like, it was high stress. And I'd have, like, 300 yeah. people in this live chat at 6 a.m. Like, it was a lot. All pressure on me. And my trading at that time was not as good as it is now, for sure. That was... Five years, four, four years ago now. Wow. So it was a great environment. I really liked being there. Whenever I could go to New York and be on the floor, I didn't even have to be trading that day. I just liked being around those people. What was kind of like the fee structure that you were getting? Like, obviously, people, I think, are spoiled with this current fee structure. It's 80%, 90%. And obviously, people should know, like, yeah, it's being paid out from failed challenges. The fee right. structure that they had when I was there, I don't want to say what it is now. When I was there... I was supposed to start trading Forex for them. Now we'll get in just a little detail of it. There's T3 Trading and T3 Live. I was recruited by T3 Trading to trade Forex for them. The guy that recruited me went on a two-week vacation. I happened to go to the office when he was gone, and I got recruited over to T3 Live, which is the education. And then it created some internal conflict. Oh, okay. And when I did their demo account with the Forex trading, spreads on Euro were three. Yeah, so I was like, ah, I'm a day trader, bro. I I'm going for seven and you start me at minus three or what, you know, you know, can't trade that. So I actually stopped trading with them and just traded my own money and worked on just the education side. So that was my experience. Oh, okay. So I actually never placed a trade with them. But what they were really good at was equity traders. They had 750 virtual equity traders that were trading firm capital and they were giving them a lot of money, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think it was just the start of the transition to this virtual trading shit yeah. that we're all living in now. When at the, what do we always want, bro? Humans always want what we don't have. We have virtual trading. We want floor trading. Yeah. Everybody would be required to come to the floor. They'd all want virtual. That's yeah. what humans want. Mm -hmm. But I think just now at this time, once I've come through the transition, I see the value in having that physical floor. And that's why when I talked to Omar a few weeks ago, I was like, dude, you're opening one in Miami. It's a great idea. Yeah. I looked into it in St. Pete, where I live. Bro, they wanted, I think I told you this, 
$15,000 for 800 square feet, 15K wow. a month. That's high. I, 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 I was talking. <laughs> and you're just like, I just need like a space for desks and computers. And I mean, you need some Wi Fi. Yeah. And, right? I was talking to Sang Lucci because he wanted to do a trade space and we were going to do it in Tampa, St. Pete. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, bro, we could go to a strip mall and it would be way cheaper. But yeah. if we want to be in Kathy Wood's building where she's running ARC, oh, that was where the. She's fifth, there? Yeah, oh, okay. she's at 200 Central. That's the address. So I went there, I got a tour of the building. $15,000. And I'm like looking at it. I'm like, I'd go home and I call Lucci and we do the math. And it's like, how am I going to make money? Yeah. Wait a minute. We're not going to make money. How are we going to break even? Yeah. Oh my God. It's going to be this hard to break even. Mm -hmm. We need this many traders paying this much money. Scratch. Yeah. yeah. You really need to find the right spot for it. For example, yeah. when we were, me and Lucci were talking about this, we looked in the Dominican. I have a guy named Rafa. Rafa is here in Miami, but also in the Dominican. Bro, for, I think it was $6,000 like a, a month. of the price, right? Well, for the, almost the same price, I got an entire top floor of a building with yeah. a gym and your own yeah. private entrance and this, like all this other stuff. So, it, so have you thought about going overseas and leaving the States? Because I, I know that like, obviously the U.S. as far as trading regulations is probably the tightest in the world. Tightest in the like, world. Like it's getting worse and worse. Like, Only worse. Um, so as a trader and me and my wife, you know, obviously have talked about this a lot. Like if your business is taking you overseas, like, would you, would you uproot your family and obviously, you know, maybe take no. them out of the States? No, because I'm too much of an American boy. Yeah. <laughs> I really am. I love America. And yeah. when I leave America, I love America even more. I have had the privilege of going to a lot of different countries mm -hmm. and especially like third world countries in the Caribbean. I've been to like 10 different countries in the Caribbean. Bro, nothing beats America. Yeah. I would never live outside of America, at least on this hemisphere. I haven't spent a lot of time in Dubai. I heard Dubai is amazing. I know mm -hmm. you were there. We'll yeah. talk, I want to talk about that in a second. But like... I would myself go and do something and just travel a lot. Yeah, so like if you were to open a trade space with San Luci, yep. DR, it would yep. just be for business, That's right? why it's good to be in Florida. Yeah. Fly to Puerto Rico real yeah. quick if I need to see him, fly where, you know what I mean? So I would travel. But I wouldn't set that business up in America because I wouldn't do something. I'm about margins. Yeah. I am still, like I'm very much an entrepreneur. I asked that to Tim earlier. I was like, Are you? he's like, I don't know what I am. I don't really do labels. I definitely am an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at margin. I'm looking at bottom line. If it's going to be this much invested, how much do we need to cover, right? It's going to be hard to do a trading floor for at least from my perspective here, unless yeah. I'm selling seats to that floor at a high price. I mean, part of it is because the commercial real estate it's is crazy. crazy, right? Because Even though it's there's so many vacancies, so yeah. like they want to, they're trying to make up for it by right. charging extra, you know, extra right. And that ain't my problem. And, where yeah, this exactly. business can still run. Have you? I mean, where would you go? Would you go to Dubai? I'm not exactly sure, man. I don't know. Like, why I, not I think, Dubai? I, I did you not it, fall in love when you were there? No, I did like Dubai. It's just the the thing is, uh, culture. Like, the family, it's just so far away. Right? So it's far extremely away. far away. Two days to I get actually there. liked the culture there. Did and you? I think the thing was, it just felt really safe. Um, That's what know, I hear, bro. Lock your, you don't lock your door. You don't lock yeah. your car. You just... Everybody's extremely nice. Because like, well, they cut your hand off if you do yeah, something there. exactly. And, and I almost, I almost kind of like it is because there's nobody acting out like... The place is extremely clean. Dude, you're coming like, from New York where it's like a rite of passage uh, to act yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And New York is, is madness over there. Well, I mean, and not to make it political, but like it, it, America is becoming super divided. Yeah. Where you have the states that just want a little more freedom and the states that say some things that are a little crazier lately. Mm -hmm. So it makes you think about leaving America for sure. Yeah. But I don't know, like, where would you go other than Dubai that is a safe place to raise your family? Yeah. I'm know. not a big, like, as much as Costa Rica is probably beautiful, dude. I've had experiences in my life with my father and my mother getting sick. I don't want to be in a Costa Rican hospital. Yeah, bro. exactly. No, right. no disrespect to them. I want to be in an American hospital. Sang Lucci uh, tried to recruit you to go to Puerto Rico. He never really <laughs> actively was like, "Bro, I want you here," but like he always was like, "If there's a desk, yeah, I want you yeah. here," kind of thing. But, but I would love to sit down with him. And and I think as like a, a forex trader, 
I think YXL is, I'm always trying to learn about other markets. You should go. And I learn from other traders as well. Take your wife, go to Puerto Rico for a week. He'll tell you where to stay. He's yeah. got a nice penthouse. You could probably crash there. He's, he's a really nice guy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that dude swings. You do well. Oh, yeah, that yeah, dude, yeah. he'll do a million in a week. Yeah, I saw a tweet from him and he said, uh, he's like, ah, oh, man, like 10 years later, I didn't think I'd be a degenerate trader. Like, here I had I so am. many aspirations in life other than being a degenerate. And he's still here, bro. <laughs> he's still here, man. But you know why he has a harder time? And I tell him this when we talk. I'm like, bro, it's because you're a bear. Like, stop yeah. being such a perma bear <laughs> struggling to, like, he lost a couple of weeks ago. He lost like 700K. Yeah. Bro, we're about to break for all-time highs. You should just be buying. But he's, I mean, it he's, happens. You know, you get yeah. married to a bias and But he's been a bear. A he's always been a bear. Yeah. He's always been a short. And when it shorts, he crushes it. Yeah, yeah. But when it's not short, yeah. he struggles. It's a slow grind, right? It's a slow, it's a slow grind. grind upwards. Yep. With the physical space and then the virtual space of, like, trading with other traders, I think the, the middle ground is, like, you would want to have an office but not have to go there. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. that's the probably that's probably the sweet spot. You don't want to have to get up and go to the office to trade. No. Right? Because there's there's no reason why you can't just trade from home, right? And I trial for a fund and they're essentially allowing all the traders to trade from wherever they want. Yeah. Right? And I get that. I do get that. But there are benefits to being next to other traders, oh being God, next yeah. to more experienced guys. Dude, I would love right? it if I could come out of my office and when someone's doing something stupid just throw tennis balls at them like get just go yeah. away. Like you know, I think exactly. we would together make more money, yeah. have better ideas, grow further because of that than you do on your own. Yeah. Do you think that now with the FTMO craziness, do you think more prop firms are going to keep popping up or do you think we're getting to the point where the froth is now settled in? Yeah, that's a crazy question because I see new props popping up all the time. It's and crazy. I'm like, who are these guys? Right. It's like you really have to understand, um, you know, if you're going to uh, pay for any challenges, like you're taking a risk essentially. And that's kind of the standpoint I've always taken is like I'm going to try – Every firm, and I've gotten paid out by pretty much every firm. You have. Like, I haven't been uh, denied any payouts anywhere. Um, maybe it's because I'm not doing anything malicious. Like, I'm not trying to rinse them. I'm no. not trying to risk 4 or 5% on, right. my, on my funded accounts. Um, but I'm, I feel like I'm in a position where, I, like, I'm the product reviewer of yeah. the industry. Kind of like what Kimmel, you know, he does, he's a profit reviews. Like, you're, yeah, we're kicking out our hard-earned money to test these platforms out. Right. Right, and see if they're actually legit. Right. Who's your favorite? And other than SFT? Um, I mean, my funded FX and funded engineer, those guys turn around payouts so fast. Yep. It's like they reset your account like extremely, extremely quickly, which so allows you to get back in the markets if there's an opportunity. Yep. Right, I think, uh, you know, maybe it's not programmed that way. It's like, all right, well, we're going to take a week to, to reset this guy's account. Yeah. And then meanwhile, you're missing out on all the opportunities, right? right? Now it's helping their bottom line. Of course. Right, because you can't trade that account. So, Do you know if you're A-booked by anybody? I mean, I would I have no so. idea. I'm, you have no, have idea. no idea. Interesting answer, bro. If anything, I would say the the two firms that possibly would A-book me would be like my funded FX and funded engineer, just, just because of the payout uh, ratio to how much I've right. spent. But... I've talked to Tristan. I don't think he's A-booking anyway, so. Why is that? I just think it's really hard to A-book people. Because even me, there's points where you're not really treating that capital like real capital. Because right. at some point, I could risk 4 or 5%. And there's nothing stopping me from doing that. Right. Right? There's no, I mean, I think there would be maybe a shift in the industry if firms actually started allocating and A-booking real traders but also having those risk protocols in, in place, right? Like, like we were just talking about sure. Tom Dante's firm. They had a risk management department. And Stop you had to go, go into the guy's office and request a bigger line to put on a bigger position, yep. right? Like you couldn't just go out there and add more size. Yep. 
right? And if you're on a losing streak, they're going to cut your size. Yep. So if there's a firm that's actually going to A book a trader, they actually have to provide the support on the back end and say, all right, we're actually going to over overview your performance and manage your risk based on that. Yeah. Right. These funding companies, in that sense, are more closely associated with casino stuff because you're getting paid with other people's losses, which is yeah. basically a casino. I mean, like retail broker spaces like that too, right? Oh, yeah, you're getting 100%. paid out with other people's losses. So 100%, just in, a different, yeah. just in a different format. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. With uh, all of the payouts that you've seen and between you and Paladin and Riz and Omar, you're probably talking a couple of million dollars, five million in payouts? Uh, maybe not that much. I don't know how much Omar and Paladin have and Riz. Was, there, was there ever a point where you guys were thinking this is too good to be true? I mean, when I first got into the space, I, I thought it was too good to be really? true. But I still was going to try it out. Because when I saw FTMO, I was like, this seems too easy. <laughs> like, it seems too easy to be able People to... People are going to be listening to saying, yeah, the guy that got paid out <laughs> $1.2 million says this is but too again, easy. But again, like I mentioned this on Abdullah's podcast, like I was trading for eight years prior to opening up that first FTMO challenge, right? So Eight years. Eight years. Like, like imagine that. And then now that all of a sudden this like golden opportunity comes by, it's like, well, I'm going to try and take advantage of this. Sure. Like, even if I do get scammed, because I had already paid a ton of money on education and stuff, like the $1,000 that I was going to put up for that possible challenge, it's like... You know, I'm going to take that risk. Yeah. Do Obviously, you gamble outside off. of trading? No. No? No. Not at all? Not really. Like Sports? No, no. Nothing? Uh, no. You like, won't go play blackjack? Uh, like, I like playing blackjack. Okay. And I, I like going to the casino, but I'm not, like, a big gambler. Okay. I'm, like, uh, and my friends, you know. Somebody say I, I this. I tell my friends all the time. It's like, I'm gambling every day in the markets. Right. Like, so when I'm taking a 5K position. But, bro, you're in Florida now. <laughs> like, things are going to change. Yeah, You're yeah. going to be at the hard rock. It might be a degenerate. It might be, bro. Florida. Smoking ch- cigarettes. Florida, so. uh, I hope not. Florida <laughs> changes you. You know, um, you know Grant Cardone? Mm-hmm. I'm having his brother on the podcast. Oh, nice. Next week. And he's the opposite of Grant, where Grant is like you and me with the cold plunge and the sauna and, like, reverse mm-hmm. aging. Gary is, like, cigarette ripping <laughs> dirty Louisiana boy. And I, I said to my wife yesterday, I was like, when I sit down with Gary, I think the first thing I'm going to ask him is, hey, Gary, can I get a cigarette? And just see what he says. You know what I mean? Because I think it's kind of funny when you see people smoking cigarettes yeah. nowadays because everybody in our generation knows how yeah, unhealthy no. it is. But some people still do it. Yeah, but I mean, our generation's vaping, you know? No, it's even worse. So. I saw a kid had to get a double lung transplant because he got, because he vaped too much. Oh my God. Terrible. Um, you speak about overtrading especially early on in your career. I've seen tweets and I've watched some videos with you talking about how hard it was to overcome overtrading. So I have two questions. Is it something you can overcome? And if so, how? Second part of the question, is there any advice to the people listening on how to stop? Not even just to overcome it, because you might just say experience is the answer to overcoming it. How do you start stopping overtrading? Um, I think, so for me at least, I kind of have like a visual Okay. Actually, I'm I'm not a gambler, but I have poker chips on my on my trading desk. Okay, and I'll give myself like three opportunities in a week. That's the best way that I could, I guess, put into um, effect on how to manage my bankroll. Does that right? mean three trades? Yeah, three trades. So, you know, I'm picking three days of the week. You know, maybe I'm taking two trades in one day and then one trade on another day. Okay, or I'm taking one trade across three different days. Okay. I'm trying to limit my frequency as much as possible because I know the more trades I take, Does the more exposure more I'm giving Correct. giving to the market. So Correct. I think a lot of people don't look at that. Like no. they, they look at more trades, more money, more trades, more money. And it's like, all right, well, if you take 20 trades in a day and they were all 1% risk, you essentially have 20% risk on 
right. during that given day. It doesn't matter if you cut it short at a negative 0.1 loss or right. negative 0.2 loss. Like you still are putting that risk on. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing is to be able to just detach from it and just say, I'm going to put this chip on the table. And if it's a win or a loss, that's it. Right. And that's, you know, part of discretion, part of mechanical, whatever the case is. You know, you could say, I'm going to put this chip on the table. Either it's a win, stop loss. Uh, sorry, it's a win, take profit, or loss. Loss, stop loss. Stop loss. Will that be three trades that can have different risk? Or will they be three trades that you, like you said, half a percent, quarter of a percent? Yeah, probably. so like when I say three trades, it's really like three trade ideas. Because I'll so at times, I'll scale into my positions Got as it. long as I can reduce the risk on the stop loss. Got it. So like if I enter a position at a quarter percent risk, and it moves my direction, I'll trim my stop loss. So I'll move my stop loss up mm -hmm. or down, mm -hmm. whatever, to protect mm -hmm. that initial position, scale in. And then now my new stop loss on that second position is actually where my entry was. So you're already risk-free on the first part of the trade. I'm already risk-free, then I'm scaling in. So I'm always thinking about what's my open, current open exposure. If, if the market completely went against me and took me out of the whole position, how much am I going to lose? Percentage-wise. Yeah, percentage-wise. Yeah. I think that's a really, really good answer because I'm I'm struggling sometimes with my coaching. Some guys do better if we have them just limit the amount of trades that they take per day. Yeah. Some guys do better if I don't limit the amount of clicks. They want to scale in and scale out, but we need to limit their overall risk exposure yeah. per day. I think it's got to be one of the two. Would you agree? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And that's how I kind of look at it is my trade idea. Not It doesn't matter how many, how many clicks. Yeah, it's the yeah. idea of I want a short year. Because like essentially if you wanted to take, let's say if you want to take one trade idea, you could essentially take that daily risk limit, right? And I'm sure you might have heard from like Mike Bellafiori or, or people talking about it, like how much do I want to risk on this specific day? You could take that 1% risk on that specific day and divide it up into 10 different bullets, essentially, right? So you're taking 10 different entries at 0.1. Sure. And now you have 1% overall risk, right. right? It could be across multiple assets, you know, multiple pairs. It doesn't really matter. Um, do you think that's profitable, though? Like, do you have, like in your experience, when you're looking at some of, not even just your own trading, just the guys that you see trading and the guys you talk to? I think the most profitable people are the ones that focus on just one one market, right? One Meaning yeah. what? One asset? One asset, yeah. And then, like, because I watch Paladin, I've seen him trade. I, I don't really see too much of Riz's trading. But, like, when I see them and see your trading, it's not like you're long and short the same asset in the same day. Yeah. You're not chasing momentum up and down. It's very much like a sniper. But in the same sense, you're not sniping with one big position size of a bullet all the time. You will scale in with multiple positions. Yeah, and I mean, I know Paladin and, and Riz, they might trade differently where they're taking that one really good entry. Yeah. But I've always found like it, it to be a little bit easier on my mental to like get a feeler position in, right? So I'll put in, uh, you know, a quarter percent risk and see what happens, right. you know? If it moves my direction, great, I'll try and adjust my risk and scale in. If it doesn't, then I'm only have, I only have a quarter percent risk on. So right? would that so, mean that you're only adding to winners? You don't add to losing trades? No, I just don't add to losing trades. Don't man. add to losing trades. Yeah, it's never, in No my one opinion, says that that is profitable, <laughs> yet everybody does that. Yeah. Everyone doubles down when they're losing. I mean, and a lot of people say never average down, right? Like don't, if, if, the, mo if the position is going against you, what makes you think adding another position is gonna make it any better? Well then of course, Kyle, if I add in, <laughs> I just have to get back to entry, and now I'm fine. Yeah, exactly. I mean, backwards just double thinking. down, right? Right. With the perspective of overtrading being, I don't want to say the biggest issue that you've had to go through, what are some of the other issues that you still struggle with now? Because some people are going to think, oh, this guy's gotten a million dollars worth of payouts. He must not have any issues. Uh, so overtrading is still always going to be an issue for me, like just because I'm pretty active in the markets. So I'm always trying to defend myself against that. Uh, and then over leveraging is another thing, right? Like, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, 
I say I'm going to risk a quarter percent, but some days I end up risking a little bit more on a setup that possibly looks good. And that's where the discretion comes in is because it might not be a mistake, right? Like um, just because I'm going to say I stick to a fixed risk limit, I do want to size up on the trades that look really good. But if it goes against me, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad trade. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Um, So there's discretion when it comes to my risk as well. Um, But I think some of the bigger things that I struggle with is obviously just the mental game of trading. It's so hard to remain balanced throughout, I would say, a quarter, a week, whatever the case is. If you're trying to remain like a robot the entire year, that's almost impossible to do. So hard. It's so hard to do because you're going to have drawdown periods that test your nerves. You're going to have winning streaks that – you know, boost your confidence, and obviously there's tilt right around the corner. You know, and there, it's just an emotional ro- roller coaster. And it's, just, I would say, I'm getting better at managing those emotions um, prior to when I wasn't as profitable. But it's always, I think it's always a mental struggle. Like you're never going to get to the point where you're fully comfortable in the markets. So the mis- for everybody listening, what he's saying is the mistakes will always be there. Your job is what? Make them happen less often, cost you less money. Yeah, Become manage, more self-aware. Manage, yeah, you have to be more aware of your emotions at all times. And right? I think that comes with experience. Like I can feel as I've trading each year that goes by, I start thinking differently while I'm trading. I'm not saying the same things I was saying to myself. You start to know yourself better. Yeah, so like what the same thing here. And I used to have so much negative self-talk when same. marks were going against me. It's like, well, because everybody terrible. was also I'm a shit trader. Like, I don't right, know and no one supported it's, you at that time either. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, and you kind of have to just think about like the markets are random at times, right? They're completely random. You think that everybody that places a position wants it to just smash through their, t- their take profit in the next 30 minutes, right? And that's just, it's not realistic. Right. You're gonna have some trades that, you know, smash through your take profit right away. You're gonna have some trades that go sideways. You're gonna have some trades that go, you know, go against you. And yeah. it's just like, you have to manage your emotions around the, all those different conditions, right? And it's not easy to do by any means. You just get better at it over time. Can you give any advice to the people listening on how to manage your emotions? I would say if, if your emotions are, are fluctuating that much, you have to size down. Because if you're so emotionally it's attached to that, to that position, like obviously you're not comfortable managing that level of money. Right? That's really so. good advice. Simple. Mm-hmm. Super simple. If you're stressing while you've got the position on wins, can't hold on to them long enough, size down. Size yeah. down. Losses, cutting them too quick, size down. Yep. Yeah, great advice. I, uh, I thought you were going to say like meditate. <laughs> did, did you, there was a video that these people made of me they were like Austin no Silver. it's got to be like uh you know sound logical advice right N- meditation is not gonna work for everybody you know definitely not especially when you got like a 50 lot on you that meditation meditate not doing right shit you can med- meditate all you want that stress is still there bro 100 yeah. um talk to us a little bit more for a second about how your discretion shows um i would say it's it's really just from experience, like just understanding, all right, I understand that maybe these highs are vulnerable for a, a, a stop run. And it's just, I kind of have that gut feeling of, I know when this market's going to go Depending now. on what? What's the gut feeling? Depending on the day of the week? Depending on I think the time of day? Yeah, it's a little bit of that. Okay. Uh, so it's really based around like the, the market sentiment. Like you have to understand when this market might possibly move. You know, it could be narrative coming out from the Fed. That's either hawkish or dovish. Sure. And now all of a sudden the market sentiment changes and yep. you see the displacement in the market, right? Like you see it painting footprints essentially where there's tons of buyers stepping in at a certain level. Um, you're trying to enter in on an imbalance and you're trying to ride it to the next liquidity level, right? And it's, almost, it's definitely a gut feeling and it's also just experience knowing when that market possibly might run. And, and really it's screen time and tape reading. Like when you're looking at the bid ask spread, 
on a market that's dead, you know when it's not going to move. Sure. And when you see the numbers moving around very quickly and prices in a consolidation, you kind of understand like, all right, there's a lot of activity going on. Yeah. And this is a day where I want to be active in the markets. Makes sense. Do you have more of your trades hitting take profit or is your discretion also showing in you getting out of the trades manually? I think the thing is like, I always have uh, take profits that are farther than my trades actually go. And I've just noticed that 90% of my trades are exited manually. 90? Yeah. Like very, very few, very, very few trades I let run to full TP. It's just based on time of day. Like, I don't know, I don't know if it's me just expecting more out of the markets, right? Because as, as an intraday trader, um, because the daily range on the euro could be like 90 pips. Could be. Right? Yeah. So if my stop loss is 20 pips and I'm aiming for 50 or 75, it and might not get there. there. Right. And most of the time is not getting there. Right. And I think that's where a lot of people mess up is they're trying to be an intraday trader, but they have targets that are way beyond the average. They're acting like range. a swing trader. They're acting like a tra swing trader. And that's kind of where, you know, a lot of people mess up is they have one specific model and they're trying to fit it to a different model mm. or they're trying to like carry it over and say, I'm a day trader, but now all of a sudden I'm turning this into a swing, right? So if the average daily range is only 90 points, my target's like 75, there's a very slim chance it's actually going to get there. It's more like a one to two. By the time the, you know, London close rolls around, I'll just take, you know, collapse the trade. What time do you start trading in the morning? Uh, so I'm usually up at like 6.30, get to the screens at like 7, and then be ready for like that 8.30 a.m. session. Do you have like a crazy pre-trading routine? No, not really, because I'm mostly prepped the day before. Right. So it's not like, you know, anything ridiculous. Like no I, meditation, no 20 no, push-ups? no, no. I'm not a, I used to do it, bro. I used to do it as well. Um, I'm not anymore. I don't know yeah. what happened. <laughs> I don't know what happens either. I think meditation helps you to become more aware of how you're feeling and, sure. and what you're thinking at the sure. time. So, you know, I think once you recognize, like, these are the emotions that I'm feeling in, you know, a, a, bad, a cold streak of trading and a hot streak, and like, you understand when you're in flow. Yeah. Right? That does, you don't need meditation now to put you in flow. You That's understand exactly what is putting you in flow. Very true. How do you feel about taking breaks and how have you handled the move that you guys just did down to Florida? Yeah, taking breaks is huge, man. Like talk about when, when you burn out because you're going to burn out and in, in trading at some point, whether it's studying or actually trading. Okay. And I I don't know about you, but coming up like my studying journey, like trying to learn markets, I was burning out left and right because there's so much information you have to consume. And how do you not burn out with all that information, especially if you're not like a finance genius or an economics genius? Like, you're trying to consume all this information and trying to figure out it's such a complex market. Right. right. It's the hardest business in the world. You're Literally. trying to, you know, beat algorithms that are designed by top-level graduates. Yep. It's like, you're going to burn out at some point trying to keep up with it. So True. taking at least... So that's uh, on the downside, taking a break on the downside where you're burnt out, you're taking losses, you're studying too much, you're not talking to your family, yeah. you're not working out. What about on the upside? Have you ever felt like, oh, I just... This month I made a hundred grand. I'm yeah, gonna take a break. Yeah, it's both sides of the coin. Yeah. When you when you hit have a huge month, I just know that that losing streak is right around the corner, and it's happening to me right now. Like I had a massive December. January has sucked so far, so I think the best thing that I could possibly do is just take the rest of the month off. You just know? take a little reset. It's crazy what a week just will do. Take off. a reset, man. Like a week of no trading, bro. You look back at a chart on the next Monday, you're like, oh, I do like this business actually. I'm not yeah, bad at exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It, it's an emotional roller coaster all the time, honestly. And I, I used to like always. I really was bought in on the idea of you don't want to feel emotions when you're trading. You want to block them out, and you want to have yeah, no emotion. Just, that is not 
real. Yeah, yeah. And then it's when, not real. When you actually, you're trying, you're asking to be a robot. <laughs> how about instead of asking to be something that you're not? What I realized was just be a better version of a human. Become more of a self-aware human, so you don't let those emotions just make decisions for you. And I see it in the new guys. They'll just take extra trades when they'll say, I want to be a robot and follow this rule. Yeah. I want to stop trading at 7 a.m. Why are you trading at 9.30? And that's why I kind of um, push people to just take less trades because how do you make really good decisions that many times in one day? Like Or trading less hours too. I do the same. I, I tell them, just trade two hours a day. If you can't find it in two hours a day, we got to yeah. find a new strategy. Something's so wrong. Does that mean going flat by the end of the day? Like closing all your No, no, no. By be the in the, the trade within two hours. If you're okay. going to manage a trade into the afternoon, I'm cool with that. hundred yeah. percent. But I'm saying if you can't find an entry within two hours, find a new strategy. Yeah, yeah. If you're a day trader, that's my opinion. And then on the opposite side of it, if you sit there for two hours and you do nothing, how good of a decision are you making in hour three? Not saying it's a bad decision, but is it better or worse than the decisions in hour one? Yeah. Probably worse. I mean, they worse. say that you're only focused for like three or four hours of the day, right? I've heard 90 minutes on 90 each minutes. task at a time, and I think that's high. Yeah. Like, I can't sit there and do something. Like, when I'm working, I got a big webinar in a couple of weeks. I can't sit there and work on it for more than an hour at a time. Mm. I got to go take a break. I have to. So I think people overestimate how much focus they actually have. And that it becomes a detriment because you're thinking, I'm still focused, I'm still fine, and then you're taking losses because of your stupid emotional reactions, and then you blame the market or you blame the strategy when really it's you. How many times Do have you, you seen that? Do you think it's like the nine to five mentality that kind of affects them? Yes. Because like- They think they have to be working. They think they have to be working, right? Yes. And They're even not, I you, noticed they're working 70 hours a week. Well, you we definitely We were probably working 25, 30 hours, but we're just in the office for another 40. People are coming up to you, asking dicking you around. dumb questions. Yep. Yeah, dicking around. Dicking and around. Like, but not I even value my time too much to be here to talk to these people, and, and I'm not doing any work, essentially, right? And that's why I think you do well in this business, bro, because you've unlocked a couple of things in your mind that click and now settled in with you that I'm why we're doing this show, why we're trying to get this to people. But like one of them is in this business, you are going to make more money than you did at the nine to five with less time at the desk. Yeah, exactly. It's very hard to wrap your mind around exactly. as a new trader. Especially if you're coming from a job like you, where you were making really good money, you had to put in a lot of hours. Yeah. But like, okay, I need, I want to. If I'm making two fifty a year, I got to make two fifty a year from trading. I got to work really hard. No, bro, you could do two fifty a year off four trades a week, two trades yeah. a week. And that, it's that's that's a concept that's really hard to wrap Extremely your head around hard. because you know, I think I just noticed it myself by you know less is more, less uh, less adding to my systems, less analyzing. Every little thing, you're just micromanaging. You're trying to micromanage and control everything when really it's uncontrollable. So you have to just, control. Uh, you know, limit your time in the markets, understand what your A-plus setups look like, and only come to the table when it's hot. That's right? it. But I think the, the breaks thing, not to go backwards too much, but like people just don't want to take a break because they think if they keep going, they'll make more money. Yeah. And if you took a break and stepped back, took a breath, looked at everything, looked at how far you've come, what I think a lot of traders don't do enough is enjoy the journey, enjoy the process, settle in and see, oh man, I didn't even know what a pip was five years ago. And now I just got my first payout. Yeah, it's only my first payout. But if I didn't start five years ago, damn, where would I be today? So I think people, they need more humility is what I'm trying to say. Traders need to be humble. You're a pretty humble guy for being yeah. one of the, I would say most popular guys on Twitter over the last couple of years. Like you still stay humble. You're not out here flexing like, in your rented Lambo. Like, yeah. look at me, I'm a problem. That's because every time I get overconfident, the market will just come Humbles and kick you. you. Yeah, they'll, exactly. just, they'll just come in and kick you in the teeth. Exactly. And that's just because I've been around for so long. And I've seen and heard of tons of stories like Jesse Livermore. That guy had gotten kicked in the teeth multiple times and then unfortunately ended his life over it. 
right? Like people lose fortunes in the market. You have to understand that and remain humble and always look at your risk. But also, um, I think going back to your point, right, with uh, what we're talking about, sorry, the, um, the fact that people are trying to spend more time in the markets. Yes. It's like they have the, that FOMO, uh, you know, I guess Someone trait. else is making the money. It's like the market is an infinite game. It's always it's money. It's going to be here tomorrow. You right. don't have to trade every single day. Like, it's going to be here tomorrow. It's going to be here next month. It's going to be here the year after. Well, who wants to be a 65-year-old is... trader, bro? Yeah, Let's be honest. Exactly. I, I forgot to ask that to Tim because Tim's much older than you and mm -hmm. me. I'm like, I get you're making money and you're doing your charity. You're doing all your stuff. But I wanted to ask him, like, what's the plan here, brother? Yeah. Like, are you really going to be still wanting to do this? Because I talked to Anthony Crudelli. Crudelli says the number one regret he has when it comes to trading stuff. He might have other regrets outside of life or outside of trading, but like he said, I should have invested my trading profits into businesses and assets, like even a dividend ETF that pays me so when I don't want to work. Because yeah. I don't want to wake up, even at 40 something years old, he's like, I don't want to wake up and do this every day. Like I want to wake up and just hang out with my family sometimes. Yeah, so like what is, I guess, and I've thought about this and people have asked me, is like, do you see yourself trading well into old, older age, right? Do you love markets that much where you can constantly bear the stress of trading markets all the time? Right. I'm not trying to. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I would, would you answer first, and I'll answer. Uh, I thought, I, you know, I initially thought I could, but me too. As you scale up, right, it's adding more stress. Yeah, like why? You know, it's, it is adding more stress, and it's just uncertain, right? Like markets are very volatile at times. I mean, you know, I just had my son. Mm -hmm. I just tell people, I'm like, if you have a kid, why would you want to be trading? Yeah, like, I just want to hang out with my kid. I want to be there for like I get. Like, I tweeted this, and everybody liked it when I was like, the best part about being a trader is not unlimited income, it's unlimited time yeah. with your family because everybody else has and to I agree, work. I agree with that, but you should be using your trading profits, obviously, to put in other businesses. 100%. Right? You gotta buy yourself the time. Mm -hmm. And I think the way you do that is by being smart with your trading and smart with your profits. Yeah. And it doesn't come overnight. Nobody thinks it's sexy to invest $1,000 a month into a dividend fund. Yeah. But if you do that for 10 or 15 years, it'll look really sexy when you get a dividend check at the end of the month that was as much as you used to make at your old job. Yeah, you know or what I'm trading. Saying? Or right. trading, exactly. Do you find that um, the more long-term, or I should say like this, the, do you find that the more you're in trading, the easier it gets to have a long-term view? Yeah, I think so. Because like, I think people don't have that when they get into trading. So does more and, time trading mean I will start to see the bigger picture? Yeah, and I think you get, you get you have more time to spend with yourself and your own thoughts and understand, like, what do you really want out of life? And everybody wants the sexy trader lifestyle. They want to travel. They want the Lambos. They want all this stuff. And they don't realize, like, I mean, for me at least, when I became a full-time trader, it's like, all right, well, this is very isolating. It's very lonely. And you're not adding, and Umar Ashraf says all the time, you're not adding anything to society. And Nothing. you're really not. You're just taking profits from somebody else. That's like it. Whether that's an institution, whether it's another retail trader, it's just moving money from their hands to yours. Do you right? think traders need a hobby then? Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. Yeah. I think some guys are too bored and they yeah. trade because they're bored mm -hmm. and they lose money. It's annoying. It's like, you're a great trader, bro, but you're still sitting here at three o'clock. Market closes in an hour. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. I think also when you talk about like retirement and like the future of being a trader, it's one thing to have a passion for markets, but it's a whole nother thing to be committed to sitting at the desk every day, like a degenerate with the headset on talking to your buddies. It's like playing video games. When you were 18, it was cool. When you're like 30, it's a little more weird. I think trading is the same way. When you're 30 and you're yeah. trading, it's cool. When you're 60 and you're trading, people are going to be like, did you not learn how to trade? Mm -hmm. That's what Zach Lucci was saying. He's like, I had so many aspirations to life and I'm sitting here. Yeah, and I think <laughs> you, know? you lose almost focus. He, and I'm, maybe he would agree. You lose focus on the aspirations. 
Yeah. Because you're so sucked into trading and you're like, well, if I made 100 this month, I could do 100 next month or 200 next month or 250 next month. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it never stops. It's just never ending. So this feeds the best question of the day. What is enough to you? And when did you figure out yeah. what enough is? It's funny you ask that, though, because I, I had that discussion with my wife uh, the other day. It's like once you get that freedom back, like no amount of money is going to add more happiness to you. So That's what I'm saying. as soon as you get your freedom back, you're already... You've already made it essentially you're out of the matrix, right? Andrew. You're Tate. Out of the matrix, essentially, and whether whether that's 100k, 200k, 300k, whatever the number is, adding more numbers to that number isn't gonna add more fulfillment. So, like finding your the why behind why you're doing something right is more important. What is your next thought then on your legacy? Um, as I much as people were trying remember. to pass down the knowledge that I have, like if people want to become How? professional traders, book, video, what do you, what do you like? No, I think education, like more one-on-one -on -one tailored education. So I think that's, you know, the access, right? giving you like yeah. your time to someone specifically. And it's, it's hard to, to think about doing because I've run like a low ticket discord and I don't Who's know. Who's going to pay for a low ticket discord? Bro. You want You want to have, you want to have good students, right? You yeah, want low tickets, students, not the way. Yeah. That's the thing is, is low ticket. It's not. I, don't, I wouldn't say that there aren't any good students in it. It's just that you want people to ask questions, right? Like if you're, and I think the problem is, that is they're not valuing your time enough because they're not paying you enough. Bingo. Right? So when you're charging a little bit more, it's like now I'm valuing the, the student's time and they're valuing my time as well, right? So it's forcing them to ask questions, right? And I think that's the thing is, you want to be, ha you want to have access to somebody that you can ask questions to. That's the whole point of a mentor. That's it. Otherwise, you're just another educator. Just That's it. Selling a course. Right. And I think as you and I get older, our time will become more valuable because of more experience in one niche, in one area. And then it'll just be a game of, well, how much, like right now when I'm dealing with my mentorship, it's like, we have a waiting list. Well, then yeah. the price is too low. Mm -hmm. So I need to raise the price. Well, how long are we going to keep just raising the price until I'm like, this is like, until it doesn't do it for me anymore. Because yeah. like you said, once you make enough money, like do you just keep playing the game or do you refocus onto what your I think that's is? the why though. It's like right, that's what you're, I'm you want to have your, you want to have success stories from the students, right? Sure. And we have plenty of success stories from yeah. our students. Yeah. And that's kind of like the shift, I think, from going from full-time trader. Everybody wants to be a full-time trader until you're a full-time trader. And now you're like, all right, I'm not really doing anything no. for anybody other than myself. Right. Right. You're just putting Lonely. money in your bank account. Yeah. That's great. Right, but now what's the legacy? Nothing. Like you piling up all the money, it, you're not doing anything, right? So, either that's you know giving back to the community, or whatever the case is. Um, that's why know, Tim building says he, building a business inside the niche. There's right. so many opportunities inside the trading niche to do more, right? Tim does that charity. There's an old Jewish proverb or Jewish saying I think that says every man has to plant a tree, write a book, and have a son. Because those things last much longer than any money you might make. Mm -hmm. And I remember Andrew Tate said once, he was like, at the end of the day, when you're 70 years old, what really matters? Does it matter how much money you have in the bank or what businesses you built? It really just matters on how much does your family want to spend time yeah. with you. And how many people you impacted. How right? many people you yeah. impacted. Exactly. But I think as a man, your job is to provide. I specifically look at it as like it's to serve. To serve your family, your wife, your kids, to serve your society, to serve your peers, to serve the future of humanity. So if you focus on serving, I think you'll always find happiness and satisfaction. Because I think some people would look at like trading and say, I won't be happy. If I, as I make more money, I'm not happier. But you're just not serving anybody, like yeah. you said. So you have to find that balance of making money and then still serving people. Yeah. So how do, you, how do you feel about, like obviously the, the education space and the trading niche it gets a very negative. Super negative. Uh, I hate even telling people about what I do. it. Yeah, it's like, 
in any other industry, people are just not freely handing out knowledge, but people in the finance industry expect for you to spend all your time and give them everything for free. Yeah. It's, that's essentially... Well, it's a twisted thing because you're educating and you'll go through this as you start to build out your platform, which I highly recommend you do because people are going to be knocking down your door and I could give you some tips on what I would do if I was you that I didn't do. When you have this open playing field and then anyone can become an educator and anyone then can take in information, what ends up happening is, like in most fields, you're going to educate someone and that information will be directly applicable in some form. In trading, I could tell you the strategy, I can show you winning trades, but you could take the next good trade and it could be a loss. That messes with people's heads. Yeah. So you're getting the information, sometimes it's for free on YouTube or very cheap, and it could be good information. But when you lose money because of it, all of a sudden, everything in your brain starts telling you why. I should have paid for more money, it would have been better information, this sucks, this is a scam. So yeah. it's, it's broken because people's definition of success is normally tied to money. Yeah. So if I'm losing money, I'm not being successful. But in trading and in finance, you're going to lose money to become successful, to gain experience. So I think that's the, the hardest part. But like yeah. when I'm going around it's telling... It's just when you're looking at it as a business expense, it feels different when you're taking a loss in percent. 100%. Businesses have expenses left and right. Like Dude. They're paying for staff. They're paying for all these softwares, right? I use this analogy. Not It's a story. Porsche was shipping over a bunch of these fancy supercars on a tanker. They split off the tanker in their boxes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they hit I, yeah. the bottom of the ocean. What is Porsche going to do? Oh, all right, everybody, pack it in. Yeah. We're not selling cars yeah. anymore, or we eat it, bro. We take a loss. We lost a trade. We move on. What are we going to do? Make the cars again. Get back on the fucking assembly yeah. line. Like, just get it out. Keep moving forward. So I think people just have a very poor perspective on losses. But in the trading space, bro, when you look at the educators, like, I'm almost turned off by it. I've, I've thought about it more times than ever before, putting my course, which is only 500 bucks, yeah. putting that out on YouTube for free and just selling my time for the mentorship like we do now mm -hmm. and just raising the price of my time. Because like, I'm almost over it. Yeah. You know, and I'm not gonna right now, for everybody that thought they were about to get my course for free, <laughs> you're not gonna get that. But I will say, like, there is a point where you make enough money, like you said, you start doing well, your family's okay, you're not sweating rent next month. Where you're like, can I just slow down? Like, I, I'm, maybe I'm lazy. Maybe I'm just more of a chill guy and I'm not as driven as Tim Sykes who wants to try. I want to hang out with my kid. I want to hang out with my family. Yeah. I want to be doing fun stuff. I want the freedom to be like the dad that, you know, like there was always that one kid when you were growing up where his dad was always around. Mm -hmm. But it was because he did something that you couldn't describe or yeah. you didn't. I want to be that guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where I'm always around. The kids come to my house. I'm always there. It's like, does your dad even work? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really my goal. And I think I'm in a way like smart lazy is how I've always described it. Because like I want to make the most amount of money for the least amount of time. That's yeah. it. So if, if right now in the education space, I feel like it gets too crowded and that means I should put my shit out for free and raise the cost of my time, maybe that's what I'll do. Yeah. And if I was in your position because you have so much attention and you are in such a great place because you have a great track record and a great reputation, you should just sell your time. And if they want any access to you, there should be some type of subscription mm -hmm. attached. I didn't attach a subscription to my business. And now I had to rebuild my subscription at a lower cost and it's a slower grind. But what that has allowed me to do is it has some pros to it. Like I'm paying some, I'm employing people, which is nice. But if I would have just done it the right way from the beginning, which is sell it for a one-time fee plus a monthly cost. Yeah, to, for actual mentorship. Oh my God, bro, I would have made so much more money. Yeah. So much more money. Yeah. So there's a couple of things like in the education space that I think people do right and I think people do wrong. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it just bro, gets a bad, it just gets a bad rap. It's honestly. a bad rap. And that's why I'm going to write a book. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm going to write a book. I'm going to sell my time and I'm going to keep trading and yeah. make more money trading. Mm -hmm. Whereas like. And I, I always said this to my wife. I'm like, I'm not in trading education to get rich off selling courses. Yeah. It never was a goal. 
You're really just trying to help your students. Help right? my students, yeah. but also I wanted steady income. I wanted to be like, I might lose money trading this month, but if I can sell five or 10 courses a month, I know I'm going to make a steady stream of yeah. income, run some ads, do some posts, courses, keep it steady. Yeah, but people just, people think like, oh, he's a profitable trader. Why is he running another business? Well, you know, and it's like, well, some months I'm not making any money. That's just bro, how the markets work. I've been in drawdown for six months. Yeah. Like, what, what are you yeah. going to do if you have no other money coming in? Yeah. Go back and work at McDonald's while you're digging out a drawdown? Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, you have to have other money. I'm an entrepreneur, like mm -hmm. you are. And I think if you look at yourself like an entrepreneur, you look at your, like you said a minute ago, there's a million different business ideas you can build off yeah. of trading. Yeah, a look million. at Umar Ashraf. He's running one of the biggest trading journals in the space, right? Dude, I'm so jealous of anybody that has software. Yeah, Software, yeah. Trade, trading view, trend spider, mm -hmm. software, big to me. All right, let me hit you with the last couple of questions. Jay, how long have we been going? Am I over an hour? Uh, we are an hour and Whew, all right. Favorite trading books? Don't give me the trading in the zone bullshit. <laughs> I will rip your shirt off. I actually off. don't like that. I'm actually I hate not that a book. fan of that book. All right. So it's too dry. Too dry. Um, and over, overstated. Everybody knows about yeah, it. Yeah. Give me something better. Uh, you know, I think everybody already knows Market Wizards. So I'm going to say A Man for All Markets. Uh, it's about a math professor named Edwin Thorpe. What he did was, which was really interesting, he actually found a way to beat roulette first this was his like first oh this was, like, i heard his about first, this uh lab i guess his, yes his he first, wanted to beat the casino he wanted to beat the casino so he found a way to beat roulette he brought in like this little pocket computer and figured out like all right this roulette table's angled at this specific you know whatever whatever degree it is and then the ball will come out at this specific speed bro and he tried to you know he figured it out he beat the casinos and you know rinsed them essentially <sighs> took like that mathematics knowledge and brought it into the markets and like absolutely crushed it. Wow. Yeah. So a man for all markets is like great on the book. Top. Yeah, okay. great book. Good one to check out. Yep. Who is your most influential person on yourself? Like who has influenced you the most in the last year? Mm, I would say that's tough. In the past year, I would. I mean, I, I would just have to say like my whole group of trading friends. Honestly, Omar, like your part. Riz. Yeah. Yeah. Like. I mean, I used to follow you before you probably knew who I was. Really? Right? So, like, yeah, I didn't a ton of people. Sang Lucci, like, and even Tim Sykes, like, just seeing him in the hallway, it's like, wow, how did I get here? Trader Main, like, I didn't realize that I would be hanging out with some of these guys in That's person. Cool. That's right? a good so answer. It's, it's, really, it's really cool to see and, and actually kind of hit that level, like Tom Dante's in my DMs and stuff. Like, being able to actually exchange words with some people that I looked up to, I think those, those moments really inspire me a ton. That's a good answer. Who's your favorite uh, sit down that you've done a video with over the last year? Because you've done a lot of videos. Oh man, that's tough. ICT, I, I Raja a, Banks. Yeah, I actually have a great time with all of them, so I can't say anyone. Like this has been a great conversation. Okay. And I've been on so many. It's like I'm. I hope they don't ask me the same questions. You I know? try not to. I, yeah, obviously, like I don't want to do the same interview over and over. And I actually said this year I was going to do less podcasts, but you know when somebody that I haven't done a podcast with before, like yourself yeah. and Abdullah, yeah. obviously. Casper, yep. um, when I sit down, now with you're them, sucked like, into doing five. Yeah, now I'm sucked into doing five. But you know, I'm I'm gonna sit down and have this conversation with you because I learn things, and obviously, hopefully, the viewers can learn things. Well, think as about well. it like if you were watching this, exactly. right? You know what I'm saying? Like that's why I'm doing it, just because I know some new kid is gonna search the day trading show or search day trading show and yeah. find us. Bro, when I got started in trading, the dudes I learned from were speaking French. Yeah. Now look at this podcast with 100 I think, um, and I think podcasters kind of, and Riz says it all the time, it's like they're, they're selfishly doing it to extract knowledge from their guests. 100 right? Doesn't really matter. Yeah, the viewership. I have gotten so much better <laughs> at trading since I started doing interviews. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm.
Brian Shannon, Anthony Crudelli, now Tim Sykes, yeah. yourself. I mean, Riz, all the guys that I could point out that have helped me, even if it's a psychology tip yeah. or it's a technical tip, something. Um, why'd you block Sam Cavanaugh on Twitter? <laughs> uh, so he actually tweeted. He actually tweeted to me and said that uh, I don't know what he had mentioned. He said like this something guy about my couldn't book. provide like a track record. My FX book. And then I just posted all my payout certificates. And you know, obviously the results speak for themselves. Like I don't have to provide a. a a personal account track and this is the reason why like you could you could hate on it all you want i don't trade personal accounts what what is the purpose of me trading a personal account when i can take ten thousand dollars worth of risk across all these prop accounts i'm actually when i take a loss it's hurting my net worth right right, right. so like what as as long as these prop accounts are around there's no need for squeezing me, them dry there's no need for me to no. trade 100k 50k personal account like it doesn't make any sense to so me. i asked sam why he blocked you the episode hasn't come out yet. All right. So this episode will come out after that one with Sam. Sam will, will be up in a couple of weeks yeah. and this comes out after. Sam said, oh, I got no beef with him. He's like, his his payouts are clearly legit. He clearly knows how to trade. He's like, I just blocked him more because it's like, he's like, I block everybody that doesn't show my FX book. And in my head, I'm like, I don't have a MyFX book public, <laughs> but you're talking to me. Yeah, so, I don't have anything wrong with the guy either. No, yeah, but like, he's a very opinionated guy. When you shout guy. me out and say like, where's your, where's your track record? Like, yeah. all right, well. I'm just gonna post all my payout certificates now, you know? Yeah, I mean, and even if you didn't do that, like it's just not even worth yeah. entertaining. And I have like, you know, all their prop accounts, like prop owners are shouting me out for having the, the best out of metrics. everybody yeah. in the world right now, bro, you yeah. are the last person that should have to defend yeah. their own. Yeah. You no. know what I'm saying? Everybody can yeah. defend it for you. But I, the, the results you know, speak for themselves. I'm a little at times too, you know? It's like that emotional Get balance. Get New York. Yeah, I took a, took a loss in the morning. I got to shout out Sam. Right, and, go to and Twitter and shit. take out my losing <laughs> yeah. trading emotions exactly. on Twitter. Exactly, well, Last one, what was it like sitting with Raja Banks? Because that guy's a character. Character, bro me and yeah him, me and him have some unfinished Dude, business. honestly he was he was he was great to sit down with as from from like a business perspective he's just so, such a home guy like you know obviously some of these guys just are just playing into the playing into the cards of being the villain right yeah. but they're not actually like and everybody people. loves that it gets the yeah. most attention if you play the superhero nobody yeah. gives a shit but if you're down or if you're negative if you're a beefer if you're the the, the, the darkness people are attracted to it on social media and the interesting thing is just like in the social space most people, when you see them face to face, are very nice people. Right. You're not gonna like. They would never say the walk things. up to you and be like, "What do you say about me?" Right. Like, it's not like that, you know. Right. And, and I think the training space is, so many people are such business entrepreneurial mindset. It's like, well, the first impression means so much. Right. So when I meet somebody, it's like I'm gonna show this person respect, even if I don't agree with Their everything thoughts. that they say. Right. Yeah. He doesn't like ICT, right? I don't know what the case is, man. I, I think that they're just, they're just bantering back and forth, but yeah. it's driving engagement between both of them. So, you know, you never know. So what's coming this year? We're sitting um, down in February. What are we doing this year? What can people look forward to from you? Honestly, like, I might, I might kind of go low-key off the radar for a little bit just because I think there's so many other traders out there that have stories that are they're on the come up and they, they want the platform as well. Um, and I think kind of just focusing on the education, obviously, to try and structure it in a way where... It's worth their time. Where it's worth their time, right? Because when I was learning, and your time—that's what I said. Yeah, your exactly. time, my your time, money, my yes. time, and their time as, yes. as well. Yes. Because when I was coming up, the biggest thing was I needed accountability. So structuring in a way where, like, I'm actually keeping my students accountable to do the work. Yeah. Because I've had too many students that want to learn, but there's no way for them to like actually put in the work. Like I could give them the concepts, but it's like, all right, I don't know what they're doing now, right? It's the work is on. And I think that's the benefit of possibly having a physical trading floor. It's like maybe invite your students out, sit with them for a trading week, and see how it goes. Right. right? Because 
at the end of the Physically day, training them is not when that wrong. hard. Right? I mean, like people are gonna, yeah, people are gonna. God <laughs> damn it, Paladin. People are gonna cancel me for this, but trading at the end of the day is should be simple, right? Either the market's gonna go up or it's gonna go down, and you're gonna uh, assess your risk and place a bet. Yep. That's that's, that's all it should be, right? But people try and overcomplicate it and say that. So true. You know all these horoscope signs and like uh, you know the no. the rising tide is gonna affect yeah. the markets. This you know it's they're trying to get too crazy with it. It's like it's a game of probabilities. That's all it is. Just treat it that way and and. I totally agree. I had a girl. <laughs> the only video that anyone's ever made about calling me a scam so far is this girl that said. Austin is a scammer because he's working with Tom Basso because I interviewed Tom and Tom worked at Monsanto and Monsanto poisons the seeds and they're all trying to poison you. So yeah. Austin's information is trying to poison you. And if you look at the lunar phase of when Austin was born, he's a reincarnation of the devil yeah. is basically what she said. They're going to find something, you know, to it was crazy. try and drag her name. It was crazy. So last question. Do you feel pressure now that you've made over a million dollars in payouts to do it again this year? No, no. And that's why I don't like when people uh, ask me, you know, what's a reasonable percentage that I can expect from the markets, like on a week to week basis. I have no idea. Like, come to the market, apply your edge week to week and let the cards play out. Like, there's no way that you can try and force yourself to hit these gains week in, week out. That's just not how the market works. It's true. Right? You have to just take what the market gives you, essentially. So there's no pressure to try and hit that number again. Obviously, it was a great year, but... Who knows? Maybe I'm red this year. Hopefully not, but... But, I mean, letting go of that pressure probably is what allows people in your position to succeed even more. When yeah. you put the pressure on yourself, I find that you end up falling short. Yeah. When you allow yourself to use your experience and your wisdom to just do the day-to-day -day process, fall in love with that, the outcome at the course of the end of the year could have another two zeros on the back of it. You just don't know. Yeah, but exactly. if you hold the chicken too tight, you kill it, you know? Exactly. So when it comes to goal setting, your goals should be more based on the process, right? Like if uh, I said, I'm only gonna take two trades this week and I fail doing that, you haven't hit your goal. Doesn't matter if you right? made money or not. Doesn't matter if you made money. Maybe you did hit your, your weekly profit target goal or not. I just don't set profit target goals. Got it. Like, I think that's a good point. Yeah. Great point. Last thing, can you think back to when you first got started? Like the first day? Yeah. What would you say to that guy today? Man, I would just tell him to just stick to one strategy and, and try and uh, focus more on the psycholo psychological aspect and just try and exploit that specific edge, right? Because I think there's so many systems out there that have edge. Yeah. It's just they give up on it too soon before they even find out if one it works One week of losses. One week of losses and it's on to the next one, yeah. right? So stick with one thing and try and exploit that edge or make it extremely efficient to, uh, to the market that you're trading. I love that answer. Have that long-term vision. Yep. And believe in yourself a little bit along the way. Yeah, exactly. Got to. All right, Kyle, it's awesome. a pleasure, bro. Thanks, man. I appreciate you making this happen. Listeners, thank you for staying all the way through. I know this one's a little longer than usual, but it's good. A lot of value here. Make sure you're subscribed. I'll put all of Kyle's links down in the description so you guys can connect with him if you're not already and you're living under a rock. It sucks, but now you can. But I think we'll have to do this again, bro. Maybe end of the year or something like that. Yeah, See man. how the year wraps up. I'll come back to Miami anytime. Or I'll come to London for your seminar. Come to London. Bro, you know what? I'm actually not doing one in London this year. Oh, man. I'm you doing buy? some other stuff. <laughs> I want to do some masterminds like in Mexico okay. and stuff like that. More like peak life events. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Not so much like get to London in the cold gray rain and sit in a classroom all day and <laughs> then go home sick. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, not, not ideal. It's fun, but it's not as fun as it could be. So we'll bring you out. We could do something together. Yeah. I'll tell you about it. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you guys in the next episode.